1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning
2: Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each week, I am also the author of a newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my partner, Chen Lin. Uh, publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? You can subscribe to both of our letters uh, by going to miningstocks.com miningstocks.com or you can call our number here in New York City in Queens, New York at 718-457-1426 718-457-1426 during regular work hours in New York Well, Chen has posted a remarkable track record in the past and uh, he is watching very carefully a couple of uh, his favorite stocks, a, a couple of biopharmaceutical stocks that have huge upside potential and a couple of them that I'm following as well in my newsletter. Uh, the company's uh, Sorrento Therapeutics is, is one of them. Uh, Sarepta Therapeutics is the other. And uh, he's also watching very closely a an oil stock, an oil and gas stock, Pan Orient, which will be paying out a uh, really hefty dividend. And then Probably paying out more dividends in the future. It's a a very positive, even in these markets, a positive cash flow company, a very solid balance sheet, and positioning themselves actually uh, with the chance of a fairly significant discovery in Thailand as well. So, it's uh, you know, there aren't many stocks that uh, in the oil patch these days that people like. Uh, but Chen has his eyes on this one, and it looks really good. Actually, we expect to have Chen here on the show next week to talk about uh, his favorite stocks. I suspect he'll talk about all three of those next week. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I'd like to invite you to keep your questions and comments coming to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com, questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. And I would also like to invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle there is Media do want to thank uh, Dynasert and Metanor Resources. They're our sponsors for today's show, um, and uh, they make this show economically viable, so we thank them for that. Dynasert provides low-cost technology uh, that reduces carbon emissions uh, by 40% uh, and increases fuel mileage for trucks by between 10 and 20%. You know, unlike Tesla, Dynasert r- really can provide instant uh, improvement uh, in terms of a reduction of biocarbon uh, emissions. And, and so uh, it, it is really quite a story. I think it's a company that the, the share price has fallen back a bit since we first talked about them on this uh, show. But uh, the proof will be in the pudding, and this company, I believe, will, I believe very firmly, will start to show some very significant sales of their uh, technology going forward. Uh, this quarter and then next quarter it should ramp up very significantly. So we're going to watch uh, the company's uh, financials for a clue as to how they're doing and, and pass it along to you and we'll be talking to the CEO of that company again in the not too distant future. Also mention our resources is back as a sponsor. This is a company that has had its share of problems no doubt about that. It's had to issue an awful lot of shares and so The upside is probably not what it once was, for sure, but uh, at its current price of around $0.03, it is producing gold uh, in an improving gold market. Um, I think this is a stock that could easily double or triple. Uh, It has a very solid uh, asset base upon which to build, a mill, lots of gold mining projects around it. Uh, So there is some value there, I think, uh, considerably above its current uh, market price of $0.03, cents, and that's why uh, I have also added it to my newsletter. Um, I'd like to just point out that my website, jtaylormedia.com, has a lot of very, uh, I think, a lot of very important messages there, some of which uh, are things that I've passed along from my own newsletter. Uh, I'd also like to point out that the uh, we have a lot of content from the Corlin Economics report on my uh, website. If you uh, go to the KE report tab, the KE report tab, and uh, y- you'll go right there to uh, you listen to the to the material, the um, the podcasts that are at the KE report. Um, and highlighted there is uh, the work of Dr. Richard Postma. Dr. Postma is a technical analyst. He's done uh, very very good work. I find him to be uh, very helpful to me. Uh, probably for more shorter term traders, Dr. Postma really seems to have uh, have done a very good job. So you might want to listen to his views on the markets. And we post uh, Dr. Postma's work almost every day at uh, J. Taylor Media, uh, but you do have to go to the KE Report tab to listen to Dr. Postma and other content as well from the Corlin Economic Report. Um, also, the articles that are at our website, uh, J. Taylor Media, there are a number of them that I think are, are worth noting. Uh, here are some of the topics. Overwhelming signs of accelerating economic collapse. Uh, economic, uh, 2016 economic predictions, the year of apocalypse. Uh, another title, why I don't pray for a gold bull market. And here's another one. What crisis is the gold-oil ratio predicting now? Historically, when gold goes up relative to oil, it uh, is not a good sign. Uh, and here's another one still. Why the central bank con game is nearing its end? There's lots of information there uh, on the silver markets, the gold markets. Um question has, has gold bottomed. Uh, we uh, have a very Uh, A very good uh, story there. I think you'll uh, really enjoy lots of the articles here, uh, contributors um, from around the world that provide some excellent content at J. Taylor Media. also suggest you click on our podcast uh, tab at J. Taylor Media. There you can listen to previous shows at Voice America that are aired at Voice America and also uh, a lot of other podcasts that I do uh, from time to time there as well. Well, I've titled today's show, What's Really Going On With Oil? And William Engdahl returns, as does Michael Oliver. Uh, Today, uh, William Engdahl will talk about his latest book titled, The Lost Hegemon, Whom the Gods Would Destroy. And from that discussion, I think we may have a sense of what is, in fact, going on uh, with the continued decline in the uh, price of oil. But the story is really much bigger even than oil. Engdahl is convinced that the NATO alliance and a very small ruling elite that owns and operates uh, that alliance uh, is facing a period of desperation as many of its policies are not only failing but in fact threatening an end of the post-World War II era. And given this threat, the prospects of a nuclear war may be as close as, uh, may be be as as threatening as any time Uh, since the days of the Cold War, which uh, as a 68-year-old guy, I I remember quite well. Well, we certainly hope and pray that cooler heads will prevail, but is there any reason for hope, I'm wondering, given the rhetoric from Republican candidates, each of whom whom seem to be intent on outdoing the others in terms of using military might, at the same time uh, when Russia and China is saying, no, 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 you're not going to take over our countries. Before we get to uh, Mr. Engdel, we will be talking to Michael Oliver to get his views on key markets like the stock markets, the bond markets, the precious metals markets, which indeed have seemed to make some rather dramatic turns so far in 2016. Just, is this just a short term? Uh, change in direction or might we be looking for something longer term and more permanent uh, in the change of direction in the markets thus far in 2016 we do have to take our commercial break now but don't go away because when we come back we will have michael oliver with us he always has uh, some great views uh, technical views on the markets that are always worth listening to so don't go away we'll be right back with michael oliver
3: Dinocert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by 30 to 40%, increase torque, and provide up to 15% in fuel savings. Our leading edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Dinocert's ability to reduce greenhouse gases provides long term benefits to the environment. Dinocert trades on the TSX venture, symbol DYA and the OTC BB symbol DYFSF. The website is dinocert.com.
1: We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Time. I am your host Jay Taylor, and I'm really glad to have with me once again Michael Oliver, the most frequent guest, I must say, of all the guests that I have. I would like to have Michael on for uh, these 10-12 minute uh, stints to come on and give us a, an update on where he sees the markets heading. And uh, so, thanks for joining me again, Michael. Good to be back. Always good to have you, and I want to tell my listeners again, in case they don't already know and haven't jotted this down, it's OliverMSA.com, dot com. Oliver M is in Mary, S is in Sam, A is in Albert dot com uh, to keep up with what Michael is doing, and uh, hopefully. Some of you will subscribe to his letter because I think it is very much worth it. I, I uh, read it every day. It comes, well, whenever it comes. It doesn't come necessarily every day, but it's a very frequent uh, missive that Michael sends your way, and it's, uh, it's always timely. So, uh, Michael, you know, early last year, and as I recall, I don't remember exactly the dates, but you demonstrated that stocks and bonds, uh, which had been in multiple-year bull markets, were starting to look. Topsy and uh, a couple of the markets, like precious metals and commodities, might be putting in a bottom or coming close to doing so. And um, you know, and then you talked about these markets in terms of a tectonic shift, in other words, it wasn't going to be just something minor, but something very major was starting to shift and take place. And you felt that you know, within maybe the next six months to a year or whatever, we might start to see some major turns. And just yesterday. You put out a chart showing that gold and gold shares, as well as U.S. Treasuries, were really the only markets so far in 2016 that have done very well, and and everything else was pretty much in the losing, losing territory. And Stocks and bonds, and you know, except for Treasuries, everything was was uh, losing. And then, um, really, this was a, sort of a zinger on February 3rd. You put out a missive to your subscribers titled "Gold at the Gates." And you were looking for a weekly close then, I believe, around eleven forty-one, somewhere in that range, uh, and a monthly close around eleven fifty-nine or so. Well, we're ready. We're much higher than that now. I guess, I guess what you're saying is we have to close out above that eleven fifty-nine, and and you know we're quite a bit above that now. But certainly we've closed the week out above that eleven forty-one. So. Do you think that we have you seen enough to say categorically that we've turned the corner? Do you think? Do you think it's a pretty safe bet that we've put in a close for gold and we're headed for something much higher?
4: I revised that monthly closing uh, thing. Uh, The the, the, the cluster of numbers that I had using various time scales of of trend measurement from 50 week average oscillator, three quarter average, three year, 36 month, I used those 4 long term oscillators. Uh-huh. Looking to cross the averages itself, but the structures of these oscillators define trend structures. Uh, they've all been blown out. Period. Mm-hmm. Exclamation point. It's over. You've seen the bottom. Gold's up. Gold's a bull. Period. Uh, I, I suggest that if you want to have a position in gold, it should be on now. Uh, okay, you can so nit-pick, it- you nit-pick, nitpick about a $20 pullback or whatever. But basically, uh, the gold has turned, and I think the gold miners are the better place to be, percent-wise.
2: All right. Well, I remember talking to you several months back. Uh, Gold was looking a little more hopeful, and you were suggesting a layered approach. You know, I think depending on when you get mm-hmm. over certain levels to add to that position, what you're saying now, you're all in? I'm all in. In other words, those
4: numbers that were layered, Oh, six. Months ago or so, where there yeah. was quite a bit uh-huh. of distance between one indicator and another, all of a sudden they came to a narrow focus where one would break. The highest one I had was 1169, the lowest one I had was 1141.80. Well, that's you know, what you're talking, a 1-2% zone of trip, trip wires. And I've tripped uh-huh. them all, and we're now, we're now comfortably in the upper 1190s, there over 1200. Uh, I think it's broken out, period. Um, okay. I suspect that gold could have something very sharp and rapid, uh, assuming this breakout's valid, and I think it's valid for every reason I can come up with. Uh, another positive for gold is that it turned versus the S&P. Mm-hmm. One thing for a market to rally, it's another thing for its spread relationship, its relative performance trend relationship to change. And in the case of gold versus the S&P, I broke out of a three-and-a-half-year-wide base of relative performance action that says now gold has won the arm wrestling match and now for for the foreseeable future I'm thinking a couple years anyway gold will beat the S&P and so the fact that that occurred simultaneous with the gold price net trend turning up reinforces the validity I think of a bull gold argument. Now simultaneous with that we have a downtrend in the S&P which occurred as soon as we opened the year we broke massive annual momentum supports on the S&P, as, as MSA defines those supports. Price uh-huh. action, we, don't, we hardly even look at price action. Uh, we use price to create momentum oscillators, the momentum oscillator trends, and the structures on those oscillators What we look at. And as far as the S&P is concerned, as soon as it opened the year, it was dead. Done. <laughs> it was a bear market. And I don't mean a correction. I mean a likelihood that this lasts until 2017 at least. Uh, the ultimate depth is beyond my ability to to, to suggest. Uh, my, but my first-legged low, and, you know, no bear market goes from A to Z. They go A, hey, you know, and then have a rally, and then they go down yep. again, and they might have two or three rallies uh, before they finally get to where they're going. But I'm suspecting the first low could occur this month in the mid-1600s wow. for the S&P. Now, simultaneous with that, I think a gold upsurge, could reach into the mid thirteen hundreds. Wow! Uh, and and a lot of that, if it, you know, it, with my experience and the way these oscillators look, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of that occurs very rapidly. In words, you, you know, you creep along for months, fighting your way through the trenches, and then all of a sudden, when you break free, whoosh! Yeah. Uh, and if you're not already there, you miss it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So maybe not yeah. not too wise to try to trade it then. You don't want to try to get cute and pick the bottoms. You better. Uh, you well, better commit a, some money now.
4: Yeah, I think that the long-term commitment, the long-term view is that if you own stocks, uh, normal stocks, you know, the, not the gold stocks, but uh, and, uh, I would exempt also some commodity stocks from that, uh, you should be out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you should find other things if you want. If you, if, if you don't want to be short, fine, but find other things to be long, and there are things to be long, and I think that would be gold and the arena around gold. And gold shares, of course, you said gold
2: probably shares, gold
4: shares. Silver, what about
2: silver now, Michael? How's silver, that I
4: think, too? will be gold as well. Silver, I think, will percent-wise uh, prove to do better than gold in the next bull trend, which I think is just emerging now.
2: Yeah, it usually does. I know it, uh, mm-hmm. silver usually usually outperforms gold on the upside and underperforms on the downside. But, you know, mm-hmm. Michael, to your credit, back on December 11th, you sent out a missive to your subscribers Headed up with the title "A Chart to Nail to Your Trading Room Wall," uh, you saw something there then already. That's you know three three weeks or so before the before this definitive term turned to most people in the, the beginning of this year. Although of course there's still always people that are hanging in there thinking that the uh, we're still in a great bull market in stocks. But nonetheless, what did you see on December 11th that really? Suggested that, hey, you guys, nail this chart to your wall. You're going to see.
4: I forgot why. You'll have to remind me what was the chart on that page. Yeah, you showed an SP chart. I
2: don't have it in front of me now. Uh, But but you had several. 200, 200
4: 200 week momentum, was that it?
2: Yeah, that's what it was.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, it was a point. There were several that. levels
2: yeah. there, that, that, yeah. and you gave yeah. dates and levels. If we pierced through those price levels, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for example, I think in December uh, 18th, you said 1941 on the S&P. I'm looking at mm-hmm. January 8th if we got through 1952. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are some of well, the numbers. Got a
4: effect. Yeah, 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 we, we get, <laughs> got the whoosh effect. But I don't think the whoosh effect we got after breaking those numbers has really satisfied this move yet. I think yeah. a lot of people thinking, you know, this is satisfied now. We, you know, we're bottoming here oh, in the low eighteen yeah. hundreds. Yeah. Um, I strongly suspect on the underside of these live, we'll have an update today. By the way, I think a nice calming day today will help placate the the fears and all that. And then if you take out the lows later this week, the lows at eighteen twelve that we made recently. Uh, that's when you could open up Pandora's box. And mm-hmm. quite often these events, these cleansing final days of a major lake, whether it's up or down, occur within three- to five-day clusters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it wouldn't shock me that that once you take out the recent lows, that basically you're wherever you're going to go in about three to five days. Yeah. I think that would wow. be in the mid-1600s.
2: That's going to be very frightening. I mean, if we're looking at 1860 now, as I look at the uh, S&P... Mm-hmm. Uh, 500, and you're talking about mid-1600s, that's going to be breathtaking. That's going to scare the bejeebers out of a lot of people, I would I would guess. And,
4: oh, well, then they'll uh, come back again. You know how they yeah. are. As soon as you bottom there and then turn up and, and stay off that low for about three months, they'll think it's a new bull market again. They don't do their history. You can go back yeah. and look at 2008. It happened a couple times where you made a low, rallied for a month or two, would not come back and take out the low for four or five months even. You know, so... Plenty of time for people to rejuvenate their hope and optimism and all that stuff. And then you roll over and get them with another leg. And I, I kind of expect that process again. You know, all like right. Shutdowns, fake rallies, months spent wasting time, roll over, take out that low, and the new leg begins. Uh, and all right. You know, it stretches right. out till 2017.
2: Michael with about 2 minutes left what about okay. uh, the commodities and the dollar uh, might we get some relief uh, commodities do you think we're i mean commodities in general every market's so much different i think you've in, indicated in the past you expect that oil will be what you call a Judas goat uh, that would be mm-hmm. the last thing to turn up in the uh, in the commodity complex i believe is mm-hmm. what you were suggesting but do do we see some some topping out in the dollar here and possible yes i uh,
4: do Mm-hmm.
2: Some, some help I for, guess, the, for the commodities?
4: I, I just sent out a report today. The dollar, uh, the dollar bulls are still around. They still talk the argument. Uh, they weren't there when, it, when they should have been, which is high 77s and 80 area on the dollar index, uh, whereas my report was quite bullish then. But it mm-hmm. got to our target of 100 last year, and since then it's done nothing. It's gone into mm-hmm. a range. Uh, some people think that's a congestion range for higher levels. I see enough evidence to suggest uh, you could be topping. Uh, we're now down under 96 today. Uh, you close out, I'm, I'm talking dollar index now, okay, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is an amalgam of the yen, the euro, and, and then some other currencies. Uh, if you close the month at 95.50, which is just barely below today's low, in my opinion, the dollar is going down into the high 80s. And believe me, even if it finds support there, that is enough of a move. And you get an opposite move out of the euro and the yen, which are quite strong right now, by the way, mm-hmm. technically speaking. Uh, that, that will upset many apple carts and also yeah. help commodities. It will, it yeah. will help, help the commodities base, bottom, and turn. Mm-hmm. Again, my emphasis, though, is on the gold. Um, another market I'm watching is corn. Oil will be the laggard, and I think it is serving the function of a Judas code. It's leading the lambs to slaughter. Mm-hmm. And once it's finished, I think the oil will probably make its bottom, coincident with the S&P making its first major low.
2: Ah, okay. It's first low, and then and then oil turns up, and then the uh, equities continue lower again for another uh, yeah, another that's, that's wave the, or two, yeah.
4: huh? Right. I think the relative performance, for instance, of the energy stocks, which have been vastly weaker than the S and P for a couple of years, mm-hmm. will then suddenly at that next low become stronger than the S and
0: vast virus mm-hmm. database oh. has been up. Yeah, it would
4: lead lead the, uh,
2: the the stocks will lead the the uh, the commodity up. You think?
4: I, I think that the commodities, no, no, no. I think oil in the oil in and the oil sector stocks will, will bounce far stronger than will the S&P after it makes its first okay. low. And then a divergence will occur where they may not go back to their low again, whereas the S&P is likely to go back to and through its low. Alright. Um, in other words, the marriage starts to break up at that point.
2: All right. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch, and we'll look forward to having you back again many times, Michael, to discuss these, uh, these markets. Always fascinating, always important for all of our listeners, I'm sure, uh, who are investors. So thank you very much for being with us again, and we'll look to do it again next week or sometime very soon. Uh, well, folks, uh, we do have to go to break now. When we come back, though, we're going to have William Engel with us. Uh, he's going to talk about what's really going on in the oil uh, markets uh, from a fundamental point of view and a geopolitical point of view as well. Uh, you won't want to miss what F. William Engdahl has to say, so we'll be right back.
3: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dinosert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by 30 to 40 percent, increase torque, and provide up to 15 percent in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Dinosert's ability to reduce greenhouse gases provides long-term benefits to the environment. Dinosert trades on the TSX Venture, symbol DYA, and the OTC BB symbol DYFSF. The website is dinasert.com.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me, once again, F. William Angdahl. He is an award-winning geopolitical analyst, strategic risk consultant, author, professor, and lecturer, and after earning a degree in politics from Princeton University and graduate study in comparative economics at Stockholm University, he worked as an economist and investigative freelance journalist in New York and Europe. And he is a very prolific writer, writes, has written many books. We want to talk to him about uh, one of uh, his, well, his most recent book that's just going to press now. Uh, one we talked to him about previously was The Gods of Money, Um And that is really, I think, an an excellent book in terms of helping Americans, as much as anybody, understand their history. What really went on uh, from the very earliest days, Uh, he walks you through well-documented evidence of what has really gone on and I, I must say, It's quite a bit different than uh, most of the accounts that I got through the history books in my education here in the United States. Um, I would suggest you all go to William Angdahl, that's spelled E-N-G-D-A-H-L dot com, WilliamAngdahl dot com, uh, to read, uh, to keep up with all that he's doing. um, And uh, various articles that are there now, uh, one is, Is China Being Wooed? Uh, by Fantasies of Western Acceptance. Uh, Another one, Iran, completes Eurasian Golden Triangle. Uh, India-Pakistan detente can transform Europe um, in Eurasia. Excellent articles that I think are really uh, provide a unique view of the world, one much different you're going to get from the mainstream media. And if you really want to know what the truth is, as opposed to what you're supposed to believe is true, or if you want to have an open mind and then explore things uh, using your own God-given uh, intellect, then that's a, a very good place to start. So thank you very much, uh, William, for joining me again. It's always a pleasure to have you.
0: Thank you, Jay. I'm glad to be with you. Uh,
2: always good. And, you know, um, we should tell people that uh, the new book, um, Uh, The new book, in fact, uh, that we want to talk about today and focus on is The Lost Hegemon, Whom the Gods Would Destroy. And the best way to go to access that book because it's just now coming out on, pre- on uh, it's just now in press.
0: Yeah, it's out. It is,
2: it is out now? Okay, so available, if you,
0: available as of yesterday on
2: Amazon.com. Amazon.com. And if you go to J. Taylor Media, many of you are listening to this show at J. Taylor Media. Uh, the live show, of course, is at Voice America, but tomorrow it will be posted at J. Taylor Media. So many of you listening to this uh, this discussion will be at J. Taylor Media. Just, cl- uh, just click on... Uh, the picture of the book, the lost hegemon, and it will take you right to uh, a place where you can buy the book. Well, a, a lost, you know, a hegemon is by definition a, a power base, right? A, a, a powerful institution or organization. In your book, you're referring, I believe, to the post-World War II U.S. American NATO alliance. Uh, that, that's that's what you mean in the uh, your title, right? That's who you're referring to, the lost hegemon.
0: Well, uh, what I'm referring to is the power projection of the, uh, the the families behind Wall Street, let's call them. I'm being very careful with my words because if we call them elites, we dignify their bad behavior. They have mm-hmm. destroyed much of America in the last 30, 40 years, especially since the early 1970s. They have literally created an oligarchic system in the United States that has destroyed the integrity of the Constitution of the Founding Fathers. The Bill of Rights are a laughing, uh, sarcastic, sick joke today, since George W. Bush and Dick Cheney got the Patriot Act and a few other choice gems uh, rammed through Congress in a state of national fear after 9-11. So we the United States as a nation is no longer a nation that feels good about itself. It seems that all we can do is make war repeatedly. We've done it 22 times since the end of the Second World War. Uh, we've had big wars like Vietnam. We've had little wars, surrogate wars, uh, a war in Grenada for Ronald Reagan's macho. Uh, We've had the war in Syria, the war in Libya, which was Hillary Clinton's masterwork, that completely destroyed one of the most stable and uh, high standard of living cultures and high literacy cultures in all of Africa. Uh, And now they're trying to do that with Syria, although they're having great difficulty. So the lost hegemon, the point about the book, if I may just elaborate on that. Whom the gods would destroy, of course, is the famous Greek saying from uh, classical Greek time, The go- whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. And the oligarchs, the American oligarchs, uh, or the Anglo-American oligarchs, if you want to call them, uh, are going mad, literally mad, making wars everywhere because they're losing power. They're losing the, 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 the machismo, the... the ability to snap their fingers and the world bows at their feet. Now, how did they lose this? Number one, they destroyed their own platform, their own economic base called the United States of America, which when I grew up in the 1950s and the 60s, was the cutting edge economy that the entire world, including much of Europe, looked to for leadership. American Made in America was a badge of honor. Today, it's almost a badge of disgrace because it's all made in China and stamped in California for Apple mm-hmm. and other companies. Uh, so they did that because they have an economic model that's called looting and pillaging, a debt slavery model that's destroyed every culture in history that has followed that with usury, with... Uh, uh, Accumulation of of debts on, on now on universities over the last thirty years this mm-hmm. didn't exist when I went to university uh, more than one trillion dollars of debt for students university education in a in a well run country that uh, believes in the future of its of its uh, uh, men and women should be free. public university was free in the 60s in, in New York and New York mm-hmm. uh, state university system had one of the finest quality universities in the world, as did Berkeley and the Mm -hmm. University of California system. Today, it's a politically correct sick joke in most of these cases. Princeton, my alma mater, has a professor today, a history professor whose specialty is the American buffalo. What (laughs) a joke is this? Yeah. You know, this this is, so where have we come? These oligarchs don't give a damn about Human life—they don't give a damn about human beings. They want to find ways to reduce global population. That's called eugenics. And mm-hmm. the Rockefeller family is probably the world's foremost proponents, together with Bill and Melinda Gates—if uh, she exists—the uh, Gates Foundation of mm-hmm. eugenics, of population reduction through vaccines, through uh, Monsanto GMOs, or uh, you know, DuPont and Dow Chemical—the same poison. Uh, and they they want to reduce the population, replace it with machines that will do what they will because people can sometimes get uppity and revolt. My goodness. Oh, yes. Like in, yes. Uh, like like in, in 1776. Yeah. Like in 1776.
2: Imagine that. And we were told uh, that if our government becomes uh, repressive, then in fact we not only have the right but the obligation to overthrow it. Well, I think they've done a pretty good job of convincing us that their government... I mean, most people still trust the government to a great extent, I believe, here. And so this is what I want to ask you. Your your book implies that the lost hegemon, that uh, the hegemon of the post-World War II era is coming to an end. I would say that at this point in time, it seems to most Americans that uh, America is still the leading power in the world and given our massive military strength, and I'm guessing that most Americans think there's little danger of America losing its preeminent status anytime soon, but your bo- your book suggests otherwise. Now, is yep. that why? Why is that? Is that because uh, we're being well, threatened then. by by the yeah. outside? I mean, you know, William, what we're told here, we're constantly being told that we have to fear Mr. Putin and China, and we've <laughs> got to stop those guys. And uh, but I'm wondering, is it that, or is it that we're just decaying from within? Because I think throughout history, you're the historian. Tell me if I'm right or not. That throughout history, most great civilizations have have decayed from within. They haven't been defeated from outside forces. Is that right?
3: This is what's that happening. What's, that's, that's
0: what's America, happening to us. Yes, yeah. I would fully agree. The the rot from within. Uh, I won't try to date when it began, but over the last 40 years, I think most older Americans or most Americans uh, over the age of 50 or 60 can reflect back and and realize this that we have gone from a sense of good and decency and being good as human beings, individuals, men and women, to a sense of great frustration of giving up our power to them uh, because we think they are so powerful, I'm deliberately not naming names, to Mm -hmm. giving up our power to them and becoming cannon fodder to kill and make wars all over the world and we never question it. So I would place more... Burden of responsibility for dishonesty with with us, us the, the American people, people. Yeah. these jackasses. Excuse my French. Uh, with names like Rockefeller and Gates and Buffett and uh, Bush and so forth and Clinton, uh, they wouldn't have the power of a a P if we didn't give them that power. So it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. And once people wake up out of the out of the hypnosis, anything is possible if we. Search for the good. That's, it's so simple. It's, it's, uh, I spent many years of my life searching for the bad, looking at bad people doing bad things and misusing power and so forth. I still uh, research that. I am a an historian and I uh, look to show people who are uh, not aware of this what's possible for them to look at the world through a slightly different prism but in my books and in my articles and in my, in my talks. But more and more I'm searching to reflect the good, the, the positive initiatives that could change our world. Mm-hmm. And Americans can change too. There's nothing to stop us from doing that. But we look at what we have as choices for presidents in this yeah. uh, election year. Well, yeah. We have uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee from bad to worse. Yeah. Bernie Sanders is the bad and the worst is Hillary and, and Donald Trump. And yet many people are hypnotized because Trump sounds like a a good, tough guy. He could work with Putin and negotiate and deal with that, and he's... He's a no bullshit uh, negotiator. He'll yeah. put America back on his. What is his economic program? I've not heard a word from him. No,
2: I, exactly. You know, I I must say, William, that uh, you know, in reading some of what went on in uh, during the days of uh, leading up to Nazi Germany, uh, oh. the despondency of the people, and here we have in America, of course, a declining. Uh, well-being of the middle class, the middle class is being decimated and destroyed with, through the death that you spoke of, that mm-hmm. what we're basically seeing, I think, it, it smacks of the same sort of dynamics, perhaps, going on in America now, perhaps not, hopefully not to that level, but who well, knows for sure, because there's I, a desperation yeah. that, uh, on the part of the people without understanding what's really going on, I think. Yeah. So it seems to me we have bread and circus here. We just had our Super Bowl game you know, as long as things are, as long as we, as long as we have the good life, uh, who cares if we have debt? Uh, you know, someone will take care of us, yeah. right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And then uh, if we have too much debt, we can go into personal bankruptcy and enlist in in the army and go get killed in Syria or someplace like that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to get into some of the some of the material in your book here, uh, the history, yeah. why the birth of the new holy war. We have uh, essentially, it seems, you know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, when i don 't know want to say that Christians and, and Muslims and Jews live peacefully together, but we didn 't have the level of conflict that we have now, yeah. five days after nine eleven you mentioned in your book, President Bush declared a new crusade against Islam, and it, it had been as I say hundreds of years uh, since uh, the last uh, holy war. Yeah. Can you help us to understand the historical events that 's starting in, in Egypt? I believe you mentioned in your book yep. in the 1920s that have led up to the current psychopathic, murderous rage of the jihadists and mercenaries of ISIS today. Help, help us understand why, sure, how did we get sure. here
0: from that time? It's a it's a fascinating uh, detective story. In, 19, in the late 1920s in Egypt, an obscure school teacher suddenly emerged with the most sophisticated organization called the Muslim Brotherhood, a secret society. It had a paramilitary arm that was completely underground, and it had a a public arm that sounded like truth and love and peace and harmony and so forth, which is mm-hmm. facade. But it was a death cult. And Hassan al the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, this small-town school teacher, uh, clearly had help. And the evidence points to British intelligence, which ran Egypt at that point in the 1920s, creating this for certain social manipulation against the uh, genuine nationalists and others in Egypt so that they would uh, not expel the British from, from their their colony, mm-hmm. Suez Canal and so forth being strategic for British uh, naval projection power. Sure. So that grew from the 1920s origins during the S- Second World War the uh, one of the leading Muslim brothers who was, was the uh, Grand Mufti of Jerusalem took exile in Berlin, which at the time was Nazi Germany Berlin, and worked intimately with Heinrich Himmler, the head of the SS, huh. met personally with Adolf Hitler, was given the most powerful radio transmission point in all of Europe to transmit daily broadcasts in Arabic to Palestine and and the Middle East, advocating killing the Jews in Palestine and elsewhere. Uh, They set up a division of the Muslim Brotherhood in Bosnia, which uh, is is a Muslim part of what used to be uh, Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. At that point, it was part of Croatia, larger Croatia, and they set up set up a uh, Hajar division, Hunchard division of the SS to kill Serbs. Now, that's precisely what uh, muster was used in the 1990s by the CIA to use these Muslim Brotherhood mujahideen that Osama bin Laden had created in Afghanistan in the <laughs> 1980s, the war against Russia, and the CIA flew them in first into Azerbaijan, then into Chechnya and Russia to disrupt certain crucial Russian oil pipelines from Baku, from the Caspian Sea. And then they brought them into Yugoslavia to uh, kill Serbs. And then the Serbs were blamed for the killings. So the CIA, after World War II, picked up the franchise of the Muslim Brotherhood from the British. Mm-hmm because the British were bankrupt, so uh, there was some kind of dealings there. Years ago, I talked as a journalist to Miles Copeland, who told me about his days as CIA station chief. This is when he was long retired and living in England. But Miles Copeland uh, was the CIA station chief in Cairo when the Brotherhood was accused by Gamal Abdel Nasser of trying to assassinate him. They were, of course, driven underground in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Miles Copeland and the CIA smuggled the leadership of the Muslim Brotherhood out of Egypt into, guess where, Saudi Arabia. Huh. Here huh. begins one of the most obscene marriages uh, in recent political history. The Muslim Brotherhood became the educators in the madrasas, in the, in the uh, uh, mosques and so forth, in the universities of, of Wahhabite Saudi uh, Islam. Mm-hmm. Wahhabism is a pre-medieval uh, primitive version of Islam they they smash gravestones and statues of Buddha and so forth, the Taliban are, are part of this Wahhabism mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, uh, financed by the Saudis and uh, so they uh, married, the CIA married this crude primitive Bedouin Wahhabism you know it's it's a religion of Camel drivers in the deserts of Saudi Arabia, Ibn Saud and, and, and such, from the 17th century. They took that uh, culture, which was, at that time in the 50s, a re- relatively passive. It was a state of being of, of, of your, you know, women had to wear black from head to toe, uh, couldn't drive, couldn't go on the street without a relative, a male relative accompanying them, mm-hmm. uh, which is the same situation today, mm-hmm. but... It wasn't an evangelical, politically active recruiting thing until the Muslim Brotherhood came in from Egypt into Saudi Arabia. Hmm. So here you have the obscene marriage of Wahhabism with the Muslim Brotherhood. Hmm. And in every point of the way, the CIA is standing in the background, manipulating from the shadows. And ISIS, Al Qaeda in Afghanistan, that what became al-Qaeda out of Afghanistan, recruited by Osama bin Laden, a Saudi, who was sent there by the head of Saudi intelligence and the head of the CIA at the time in the 80s to recruit and develop these uh, jihadists, these uh, terrorists, which the Russians rightly call them, they're terrorists. Don't dignify them by any kind of religious uh, motives. They're not religious at all. They just want to kill. So... um, This is what I describe in The Lost Hegemon, that the the creation of the CIA in Egypt, uh, Morsi was Muslim Brotherhood, as as Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, this is the Obama administration's grand design for the Middle East, upset all of these monarchies and replace them by Muslim brothers controlled by the CIA, and take their sovereign wealth funds, their trillions of dollars of oil money, and put it directly under American control or U.S. and British control. And so forth, and use that to blackmail China on energy, use that to uh, bring Russia to her knees, and so forth, and use that to rebuild the banks of Wall Street, which are de facto brain-dead bankrupt banks today, run Mm -hmm. by a gang of criminals, Mm -hmm. who ought to be behind bars, not in bars
2: yeah so so what's happening then is that the CIA uh is using these the pretense of religion to destabilize uh to destabilize the situation as much as possible and uh i guess in part to grab the wealth of these oil producing countries as well as their oil uh, and uh, to control the oil markets and and uh, I gather that there must be some major conflict then with russia russia of course. Uh, I want to get to Syria if, you, if we can talk about Syria a little bit and, and the conflict there because that seems to me to be very very serious. What's going on there now? Uh, it seems to me that we have the potential for a major conflict there. I mean, I was reading in Zero Hedge an article yesterday talking about, um, I, I guess uh, you know, our um, our Secretary of State Kerry talking about what do you want? Us, what do you want me to do? Go to war with Russia? And, of course, there are neocons in the Republican Party. I don't see any, anybody there that, that doesn't think we shouldn't, uh, you know, smash Putin and, and go after China. I mean, is this, do, you, do you think this is really the plan, that this is what the CIA wants to do? Are those uh, elites, you say, um, the, the, oligarchs. Or, yeah, oligarchs.
0: Uh, the, the oligarchs? Yeah, oligarchs.
2: The oligarchs. Is this really the plan? And, and what do you think the chances of something really serious in terms of a, of a nuclear holocaust even?
0: I think it depends on us, really. But uh, I personally am optimistic. I'm feeling more and more the sense that the world is fed up on a personal and on a national level, fed up with wars, constant wars and chaos and destruction. Uh, I think it's going to be a very grave time, unless it changes dramatically in Berlin and some places in in Europe. It's going to be a very uh, bad time ahead for the European Union. Uh, I think it's going to be an extremely painful time for Americans and the United States. Uh, The best of the worst lot would be if Bernie Sanders were to become president and uh, uh, at least do least harm, Mm -hmm. not not, uh, revive the spirit of industriousness and building things positively and peacefully that used to be the case of America, but at least the least harm. Uh, But... Leave the, leaving that aside. What gives tremendous positive energy in today's world is, and I write writing about this uh, constantly in, on my website, as you mentioned, williamangdell.com, is the emergence of nations that want to do good. And I'm not. This is not mamby pamby rose-colored glasses talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Russia wants to build. Russia's response. And this is not covered in the Western media. No, uh, I've not at written all. A book about this, uh, 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 and uh, it's soon to come out in Chinese, and it's out already in German. And uh, it's uh, Russia's response to the sanctions, to the war in Ukraine, which was a U.S. coup d'état. Right. Uh, there's no dispute about this. The U.S. wanted to drive a wedge, a bloody wedge, between Russia and Germany, but Russia and Western Europe, because there was more inclination on the part of German industry to invest in this beautiful, vast country, the biggest expanse of land in the, in the world of any country, with some of the most intelligent minds I've met anywhere on this planet. Uh, and Russia is awakening from 70 years of of Bolshevik uh, Soviet communism and Mm -hmm. awakening from 10 years of Putin uh, free market uh, looting and finding their own identity, their own being as as good people, as industrious people, as people building up and not destroying. China has this absolutely marvelous, brilliant strategic plan, economic plan called the one Belt, One Road, the new economic Silk Road for high speed rail links crisscrossing all of Eurasia. And for listeners who want to get a sense of this, just Google the new Silk Road and do it under Google Images. I don't want to plug Google here, but but that's <laughs> to it. Uh, Google Images, and you will find maps of where these high speed rail lines from uh, Peking to uh, through Russia. Uh, into Germany, if the Germans wake up and, and realize what economic potential that holds. So far the European Union has been absolutely ice cold silent on this mammoth, it's a trillion dollar project, trillion dollar, uh, 10 to 15 year long project. China has linked it to India, it's linked it most recently to Iran after the sanctions were dropped, and it's changing the political map of Eurasia. and. Go back to the 1997 book, The Grand Chessboard of uh, Brzezinski, who's a pretty sick character, and a pretty sad character. Uh, he's pathologically Russo- Russophobic, uh, being a a poor Polish nobility stock. Maybe that's the reason. But uh, he has such hatred. Even unlike Kissinger, as Henry Kissinger was in Moscow meeting Putin last week, is very mm. just. But uh, these are back channels among the deep state uh, circles trying to figure out a better way forward and realizing that the neocon uh, way of war and destruction is, ain't working. It, it isn't paid. working
2: it isn't working well william we only got a a couple of minutes left here uh, maybe a minute left uh, i want to ask you the eurasian shanghai cooperation organization which encompasses a lot of those areas that you're talking about yes. certainly uh, you would think that somewhere along the line the europeans would start to wake up and realize what you just said that the neocon model is not working it's it's uh, it's barbaric it's it's basically it's it's i think it's uh, really leading to a death knell of Western civilization, it seems to me.
0: Sure. Uh, Europe, I feel more and more that there's going to be an orchestrated explosion. Kerry's in on it. uh, Obama, who knows what he's in on, but the people around him are in on it. Uh, The Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman uh, Dunford, fighting Joe Dunford. Uh, The CIA had Brennan, uh, knuckle-dragging Brennan. Uh, are planning an explosion where the megalomania of Erdogan in Turkey and mm-hmm. Prince Salman in Saudi Arabia to grab the oil of Syria, the gas of Syria, the gas of Iran if they can get away with it and the uh, oil and gas of Iraq through through the which is on the border of Turkey and Mosul uh, This is going to create an explosion, I think, around May or June of this year even. It's building toward that very, very uh, relentlessly. Uh, It takes time to build it, and that's going to change the political map of the Middle East.
2: All right. Uh, Unfortunately, William, we're out of time. I I can't believe it. We're out of time. Uh, We want to pick up on this sometime in the near future if we can and and continue it. So thank you so much. Uh, Again, folks, uh, it's the lost hegemon. Whom the Gods Would Destroy, J. Taylor Media, go there, click on the, uh, on the picture of the book, and it'll take you right to the place to buy it. You do want to read what William has to say at his website as well. Thank you very much, William, for being with us. So well, folks, that is all the time we have. Next week, I'm going to have with me uh, Daryl McMillan who is the Chief Executive Officer of Gold, Money, and Bitcoin. And Chen Lin also will be with me. You won't want to miss next week's uh, show for sure. So that's uh, unfortunately all the time we have. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
1: Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.